Hello, everyone, and welcome to What Women Must Know. Well, another year, another year filled with amazing possibilities for all of us. I'm so glad you are joining me today for another opportunity to have an in-depth conversation into topics and subjects that are really relevant to our lives, particularly because they are empowering us to become more educated, more aware, so we can make truly informed decisions about all the things that are really important to support us. Well, let me just say a few announcements here. Um, Beginning January 13th, there will be a a series called the uh, Summit, the Oral Oral Wellness Summit. It is a fantastic tele-seminar series, and I'm really thrilled to have been invited to participate. And it's all about looking at every aspect of our oral health. So, you know, my dad used to say, he had these funny little sayings, and he used to say, be true to your teeth or they'll be false to you. And I always remembered it. And you know what? There is a lot of truth about that. Um, so this is a fantastic teleseminar series that will give you the knowledge to know what to do to create optimal oral health. You know, your teeth and the health of your gums are all related to your overall systemic health and the risk factors for disease and hormones. Actually, I'm talking on the topic of oral health and your hormones. So did you know that the state of your health and your gums will determine your risk of infertility, will be a risk factor for endometriosis, PMS, bone loss, uh, even how you sail through menopause. So come along. The way to find out about this teleseminar series, which is free, and it has some of the leading people in the world of optimal oral health, is to either go to my website and opt in at whatwomenmustknow.com or go to my Facebook page, which is What Women Must Know, and I am giving you the link to sign up. And join. And remember, it's it's a free tele seminar, so it's really fantastic. You can get all this knowledge that you want wherever you may be in the world. And they are recorded, so you don't have to be there live. You can listen to it at your own convenience when it suits you. So, um, so I'm excited about that because it isn't very often that um, you get a chance to get such fantastic information all at one go. And uh, uh, let's see, I think that's the big announcement that I wanted to share with you today. So go to What Women Must Know. By the way, if you haven't signed up to my website, whatwomenmustknow.com, please do because there you get these free special reports. You have access to my videos, to my free published articles, a great educational portal into the world of hormonal health and well-being and rejuvenation and the ultimate paradigm for weight loss. I've got some really cool things up there, so please have a wander and uh, keep expanding your horizons. Keep growing and learning. And that is really the theme for us today. Keep growing and learning and expanding your horizons and creating the the life you want to live. I um, am really um, thrilled that we have Trevor Blake with us today. Now, he is the author of Three Simple Steps, A Map to Success in Business and Life. And it's always a great theme to start the new year. You know, wherever I go, I'm always listening to the media, you know, whatever, the radio, the TV, you know, on the Internet. Everyone's talking about resolutions, New Year resolutions, and for some reason, this is a great time of year to kickstart our year of possibilities. And, um, and I want to stay with that theme and I want to stay with that energy because 
really any time of the year, any moment in your life is a good time to start creating what you want. But often we don't have the path. We don't have a roadmap. And today we're going to learn the roadmap. So my guest today, Trevor Blake, is um, uh, an, an expert with success. You know, he started his first company with $1,000 and sold it for more than $1 million and then turned around and did it a second time. And he's uh, a very passionate man about the um, the message of his book, Three Simple Steps, which is really sharing the learnings that he has gathered over the years by following uh, in the in the footsteps of people who've been successful, people who've learned for the kind of keys to the secret of how life works. And of course, he's demonstrated the success, but um, he's not here just to show you how to be successful in business. His real mission in life is to give you the keys to make your life work in whatever way you choose to. So it's a very empowering conversation today, and I am thrilled to invite Trevor Blake to our show. Hello, Trevor. Hello. Thanks for inviting me. I appreciate it. Well, you're very welcome. You know, um, you do have a very inspiring story, and, and I think we need to start with your story because you really exemplify taking charge of your life and applying those truths and principles and being absolutely diligent in using those underlying truths to create your own success. So talk about your journey, Trevor. Where, you know, what, what, what was the journey that got you to this place? Well, I'm much happier talking about this journey than I am talking about oral health and teeth, because you can tell by my accent, I come from England and we're not exactly known for our, our, <laughs> our good-looking teeth, so um, it's a good subject for me. So I, I um, grew up very poor, and I know everybody says that these days. It's a bit like a Monty Python sketch where we try to outdo each other with who had the worst start, but um, we were evicted three times from our homes before I was seven years old, so I was a confused kid who didn't really have a home, and then, as we were talking about 1968, in those days it was possible to pack all your belongings in the back of a truck and then head up to the hills and that's what we did basically to escape the creditors and the bailiffs and um, we found a derelict farmhouse and I grew up in this derelict farmhouse and you know as a kid I thought it was magical it was like the Chronicles of Narnia but it must have been very tough for my parents my father never worked so we lived on welfare and my mother was diagnosed with cancer she was given six months to live when I was eight years old and so that's, that's where my starting point is really and I wanted to change the pattern, the pattern of life because my father's life was not that different to his father, and I observed that. And uh, a funny thing happened to him. It wasn't funny at the time. I found myself in a place where my accent identified me as foreign, and my shabby clothes were pretty hard to hide. So I was a target of bullies, sectarian bullying, and it was quite severe and, and, and uh, systematic. And I fought back when I could, and I ran away when I could, but it didn't seem to make a difference. And so I ended up just getting out of the bully's way and hiding out in the local public library in the town. And that's where everything changed, because I discovered a, a shelf of autobiographies of self-made men and women, some people I'd never heard of and others I knew, like Ford and Carnegie, but I'd never heard of people like Madam C.J. Walker. And I would just I thirsted for this information, because I saw in all of these stories that they had overcome even worse conditions than I felt that I was in at the time. They found a way out of their version of quicksand and built amazing lives and made a huge difference to the lives of other people. And I wanted that for myself. And it was funny because I started to identify the same attitudes and behaviors in all of these historical heroes. And so I was young enough and naive enough to say, well, you know, if it worked for them, why wouldn't it work for me? So I, at that point, started to 
adopt their behaviors and add them to my life and everything changed and it's because a very long story short um I, I did get out of poverty i used those techniques to live a life of travel and adventure because that was more important to me when i was younger than money i got to see 56 countries and I lived and worked in some of them, earning a mid-six-figure salary, which most people would say is successful. But then when I got to 40 years old, I decided I was, you know, a funny thing happens when you wake up, wake up on the morning of your 40th year. You go to bed on the night before feeling immortal, at least you do as a man, and fit and all the rest of it. And then you wake up the next morning and you look at yourself in the mirror and you look four months pregnant and you feel somewhat vulnerable. So at that point, that's when I decided to turn the three simple steps to financial independence. And that's when I started my first company, which you you mentioned. I started it with $200 in 2002 and I sold it in 2010 for $105 million. And then I turned around and did it again, started a company in 2005, and I sold that for $300 million in 2011. And I mention those numbers because they're mind-boggling to most people, but that's the power of the three simple steps. You can use it to get out of poverty, you can use it for a life of adventure, or you can use it to become a multimillionaire if you want. It doesn't really matter. Or all three. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Um, so, so out of curiosity, what, what was the business or the businesses that you built? Well, I had a career in, uh, in biotechnology, and I met some fantastic people and had a tremendous experience. It was a joy working in that environment. But I was always pretty upset by the corporate wastefulness, which is something that I think is endemic in, in American corporations. But it's particularly abhorrent in the healthcare world where all of those unnecessary costs, you know, the perks and the fancy offices and the cars and all this, they get passed on to the patient in the form of higher drug prices or higher treatment costs. And so I always thought that there was the, this industry, the pharmaceutical biotechnology industry, was crying out for change. And so I started a company with a unique business model. Um, it was America's first and only 100% virtual pharmaceutical company. And we developed five drugs for rare diseases for children and found a way to make that, those drugs accessible to any child, no matter their conditions, uh, anywhere in the world. And it was a very rewarding experience to be involved in. And then the second company is a cancer a research and development company. I'm not a scientist, I'm a businessman, but I came across some really interesting inventions and eventually managed to get this same sort of virtual business model around this company so we could develop uh, promising cancer treatments but without the side effects because as a kid growing up, um, I thought my mother handled her diagnosis of cancer with tremendous grace. Um, I was actually there when she told the doctors six months wasn't long enough. She needed to live long enough to see her kids fly the nest. And she was, she was one of my real-life heroes, if you like. Um, but the one thing about it, about that whole journey for her, was that the cancer treatments often stole her dignity and her womanhood because of the side effects. So I've always been passionate about finding promising treatments but without the side effects, and that's that's what this company is. So you have all the money you could ever want and then some, and um, which obviously is not really what motivates you any longer. You are really on a mission. So let's talk about your mission now. Well, I, I don't know if I call it a, a mission. It's just, I'm not a big fan of the, of, of the self-help world because so many of those books and programs are produced or put together by people whose only taste of success is the fact that this program catches on or the book becomes successful. And I, even though the information is useful, and I've read a lot of them and found information useful, there's always a sort of question of the credibility of the person who's behind it because they weren't successful before. And so I always wanted to um, 
demonstrate these three simple steps in a more formal manner through a book, but I wanted to wait until I felt I had achieved at least a modicum of success whereby I could stand up and say, you know, this is what it takes to achieve the American dream. So I've always wanted to write this book, but I held off for a long period of time. And then after selling my second company, um, I decided to retire. I was uh, 49 going on 50. And uh, my wife, who I've been with for 30 years, gave me one of those looks that I, only women can give. But she, she persevered. So for two weeks, I paced the kitchen floor and, you know, twisting my thumbs and getting in the way. And, and eventually she said to me, if you don't start something new, I'm going to murder you. So that's really how I decided to write this book. And when I decided to write it, it was a form of self-preservation, I think. So um, your, your title is Three Simple Steps. And obviously, you've made this process really simple. So I think we need to really explore in the time we have, and we've got plenty of time, to really go through the keys to creating the life we want and to, and to accessing the power that is within all of us. And I just, I just want to say, Trevor, for the last year now, I am in a, a group with uh, three other friends and who are all over the country, and we get together once a week, and we um, focus our intentions on creating the life we want. So we set our intentions, we uh, support each other in staying on track, and it's been a really profound experience, and I've certainly come to appreciate the power of support and community and, and guidance, and we work with certain books that just give us some some uh, outlines of how we can proceed, but you know, I absolutely see the power of creating out of our desires, out of our intentions, and I know that's what you're about. So you're going to give us some specifics and some strategies to help all of us create what we desire for 2013, and of course beyond, way beyond. Because once you learn these these principles, you realize you have this infinite power to create anything and everything you want. Right, and, and the, the beauty is it's very simple. It's just, it's just a little bit of self-awareness that's required, a little bit of understanding of some laws of physics, which sounds complicated, but it's not. And, and you can apply them tomorrow, you can apply them today if you like, and change your life immediately. You don't need to go to any course, you don't need to buy any program, there are no different levels. Um, it all comes down, but the, but the starting point is um, and an agreement and an acceptance that everything in life is energy absolutely everything and it's not, that's not an esoteric principle that's a law of physics principle because the cutting edge of physics is, as you'll know is string theory and string theory holds and proves um, demonstrates I should say that everything in life you know the phone I'm holding in my hand the chair I'm sitting in even the gravity that holds me in my chair is formed of small strings of vibrating energy and the higher they vibrate the higher the frequency the less dense and higher energy so when you think about that, that means that everything you create is energy. Therefore, every thought you have, every word you utter, everything you imagine in your head, because it's created by neurons connecting and firing electricity, which pops out a thought, the thought has no density, therefore it has a very high energy, it's very powerful. Um, the energy, therefore, has to, has to abide by the laws of physics, and the laws of physics for energy says that energy and matter are equivalent and interchangeable and that means that any thought you've ever had has either changed into a real life experience that you've already had or you're having or it's out there with the potential to turn into that experience and that does a couple of things on the one hand it gives you great hope that if I think better thoughts I'll have a better life but on the other hand if you think wrong thoughts 
you'll have a life you don't want, and that's that's the key. That's the key to everything, and that's what comes through in the three steps. So, so if you take something as simple as New Year's resolutions, and there's no reason why you have to wait for New Year to change your life, but if you decide to, what most people tend to do is do something simple, like they look in the mirror and they see they've put on a few pounds, and they say, I'll lose weight. I want to lose 10 pounds. And they set an intention that says, I lose 10 pounds. And the problem with that is the thought that goes out there is about losing weight. Thoughts don't have a consciousness. They just become the material equivalent. So what you get back is even more experiences where you need to lose 10 pounds. So you end up creating even more of the same mess in your life because you're thinking about what you don't want and talking about what you don't want instead of thinking about you, what you do want. And, and the Mother Teresa summed this whole thing up that I take 275 pages and three simple steps to get across. She got across in one sentence when she was asked for her opinion about a particular conflict in the world, and she said to the reporter, son, I'm not against war, I'm for peace. And, it, and it's that very subtle change. So instead of thinking about losing weight, you would, for instance, think you would say to yourself, I am fit, trim, and healthy. And then you would imagine yourself walking down the street with people on the construction scaffolding, wolf whistling and talking about your beautiful body. It could be anything. It doesn't matter how crazily you think about it. But what you have to think about and imagine is what you're for and stop thinking and imagining about what you don't want. And that's a subtle secret. So I would say when, when I talk about that is that the universe always says yes. So if you say, for instance, I don't want to, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't want to have an overweight body, what you're saying is an overweight body and the universe exactly. says yes. And well, your point is really important. You have to always state what your intention is, what you want to create in the positive because that's what the universe or what you are putting out there to to experience and, and, and have revealed mirrored back to you. So um, so so one of the key principles is to um, be clear on what you want and then to state it in the positive. Correct. It is, except I want to make a distinction, and that is that I'm actually not a fan of positive thinking or people who propose positive thinking because I think it's an impossibility. Because our thoughts happen almost at the speed of light, and so you can't see something you don't like. You can't, you can't look in the mirror and see the extra weight and not be against that because your thoughts are instantaneous. You can't control them. You can't step in front of them. So you look at yourself and go, oh, I need to lose weight. And you shouldn't beat yourself up for having that negative thought. That's how the brain works. What you do have control over is how you then react to that negative thought. So at that point, you've already had the thought that's a negative thought, but at that point, you can stop, you can pause, and you can think about a better response. So that's when you say to yourself quietly in your head, I'm fit, trim, and healthy, and the person I like in the office, um, you know, keeps taking sly looks at me or something like that. And you can just create this, this big, sexy imagination, whatever you want to do, to support that thought. The bigger the imagination, the more powerful it, it'll become. So it's how you react there's a thing that you can control. And that's really step one of the three simple steps because most of us don't control our reactions. We see something, we have a, an emotional response to it, and we have an habitual reaction. And, and that whole thing together is what I call mentality. And it's about changing or controlling your mentality. And once you start to do that, and this is what I observed in you know, the, the great industrialists like Henry Ford and Samuel Cove, who everyone says was crazy for their, for their ideas. They were, they were mad. This is how they managed to get over that, by changing the reaction. This is how my mother lived another 14 years when she was given six months to live. She refused to react to the thoughts that she had when she was told she was going to die. She chose to react in a different way. 
and, and that made all the difference. And that's what I observed as a kid growing up. I had my historical heroes, but I also had my real life hero, and uh, and, and that's really what made me think differently. And it's, and it's been in everything I've done in life. I could be in a business situation where I have an idea and somebody, you know, just dismisses it or, or says I'm crazy or something like that. Well, now I know how to react to the thought that I just had, and that's the difference. And how do you react? I give myself something I want. So I immediately think of a successful situation. So let's say, for instance, when I started my first company, everybody I knew would say, well, you can't do that. You've never been a CEO before. You're just a sales manager. And other people would say, well, that's crazy. There's no such thing as a virtual pharmaceutical company. Well, my immediate thoughts to that are, you know, they're right. <laughs> they're absolutely right. I am nuts. And then I would change my thought, and I would give myself an intention. And my intention actually was way back then. I can talk about it now because it's gone. But my intention was the name of the company was Qual Medical. Qual Medical is a successful company that's valued at $100 million, and I'm celebrating with a meal with my wife after its sale to the perfect owners. That's a much better thought, and I hadn't even started the company yet. Right. So you like to make a distinction between an intention and a goal, and it's an important distinction. So I'd like you to elaborate on that point. In, in its simplest terms, an intention is a goal with all doubt about its attainment removed. It's a very easy thing to write about, an easy thing to say, so there's no doubt. But the, the challenge is how do you get to the point where you can create something that you want and have no doubt about its attainment? And, and the way you get there is through raising yourself through what I call the three layers of belief or the three layers of desire. There's a, there's a lower layer, which is desire. You desire a better life. But it's not a very powerful emotion because... It, you, you usually fear the life you have, which is a much stronger emotion than the desire to change that life. And then if you work on it, you can get to a level of belief. And belief can improve your life, but it doesn't get you where you want to go. What you have to do is raise your emotion to what I call a sense of knowing. And this is something that women have in abundance and men struggle to find because intuition is not a, a, you know, not a, a prized um, attribute in the workplace or even in the home, actually. And so most men have learned to suppress their natural intuition to the point where we almost can't find it. And most women keep theirs hidden because men make fools of it or make fools of them. But the point of getting to the sense of knowing is where you get to that level where a woman just knows. And, and I've always said to my wife, if I could bottle 10% of women's intuition, I'd be a billionaire overnight. Because, because it's getting to that point where you say, okay, this is what I'm going to create in my life, and I know it's going to happen. And there are various st techniques that I have in step three that can help you get there. And you start to reverse your life. So you, you see something in your mind that you want. You imagine it's already achieved. And, this, and then you develop a sense of knowing of how you got there. It's almost like you have arrived in the future, and you're looking at the past and seeing the steps you took, even though you're actually in the past and haven't made this movement forward. So, I mean, it sounds weird when you talk about it on the phone, um, but I've been teaching these principles for 20 years now and watching people's lives transform completely, and it's, a, it's an absolute blast to see the way people just get hold of their destiny. Okay, so uh, what you're, so what I hear you saying is when you, so the first, the first thing we need to know is that we are free to, to totally transform the circumstances we may find ourselves in. We can find a way out. We can create the things that truly inspire us. We don't have to know how that's going to happen. We just have to start with a clear uh, intention, which is a more of an elaboration. It's like it's almost like making up a story, right? It's, you don't know how it's, you don't have it. This isn't hasn't yet appeared in your reality, but you're just starting at the very beginning of making up a story of what you really desire to create in your life. Exactly, it's exactly what you did when you were four years old. 
and I've been told that now nah, that's not appropriate. You know, we, I love watching kids when they, they make believe. Uh, you know, you watch them doing sword fights and next minute they're a spaceman and then an actress or something. I, I love watching them and we think that's perfectly natural. But then if they were teenagers doing that, we'd send them to the psychotherapist. And if it was an adult doing that, you'd lock them up. But that's what you have to get back to, that imagination. And, and the three, there are, I call them the three Ps. There are three principles to intentions. They have to be positive, which means that you have to be for something, not against something, which we talked about earlier. They have to be past tense, so you imagine it is already achieved. And they have to be personal. You can only have intentions for yourself, not for anybody else. And, and those, are the, those are the three critical rules, and I haven't made these up. These are the same rules that Andrew Carnegie used to teach. He, he, he also wrote a number of different self-help books um, during and after his success. Uh, and that's what he used to teach as well. That, that's how he built a steel mill when everybody says that iron is a construction material of choice. He imagined it is already achieved. That's a key point. So what you want to do is actually write this down. You don't just, unless you're a real, really good at creating these um, internal pictures, uh, it's best to write it down so you can kind of build on it and, and let this image take shape. I, I find that so. Do you, do you recommend that? Yes, I do very strongly because I, I think a couple of things happen when you write down um, and I think it's much better than typing onto a piece of software or something like that. When, when you write, I, I always think of a pen like a, like a magic wand, and I think it slows you down a little bit so that as you're writing, you are imagining as you write. It's like, you, know, you, you, can't, you can't write in a tenth of a second. It's going to take you a few seconds to write out this intention. And all the time you're writing it, you're using your imagination, so I think that's very powerful. But the other thing is, once you've written it down, it's there in front of you as often as you want it to be. I, have, I recommend... I have a home office and I have a whiteboard that's just a plain cheap whiteboard that I have behind the door where no one else can see it but me. And I write my intentions on there every single day and there's no greater feeling than ticking them off or as you say, checking, checking them off. Yeah. There's no yeah. greater feeling than that. It feels very powerful and you start to go away from that goal-setting mentality which is a bit of a warrior-like mentality toward this intention-setting mentality which I call being more like a wizard whereby you know you can create something from nothing. Just like you can make a, a loaf of bread from a few raw ingredients, you can create a different life and a better life just by imagining it. Uh, but it helps to write that down because that helps you to slow down and, and use your imagination. Okay, so do you, do you work with it every day? Do you have to reread it? You can, I guess, edit it. You can expand it. You can play with it. The other thing, by the way, I heard you say is when you write down this, this, this vision of how you want your life to be, you do it from a place of having already achieved it, so you're looking backwards in time. Is that a key component of it? It's essential because if you write it down as something that you want, you'll always have a life of wanting. It'll always be just beyond reach, and you'll get frustrated, and you'll think that life doesn't like you, or whoever or whatever you believe in doesn't like you. So it's very important to, to, to use that power of, of thought, to use the, use the law of physics, the power of energy. Uh, if you imagine something is already achieved, those, those packets of, of thought energy have to, by the law of physics, give you what you're thinking about. So it's popping up, it's right at your front door. Uh, and all you have to do is open the door, be ready for it. And that's, that's really how everything, everything has, has worked for me. And you know, I've got a million examples. We, it's always fun to talk about the $100 million examples, but the smaller ones are, uh, are sometimes even, even more fun. I mean, when I finished writing Three Simple Steps, I imagined it already published, of course, even as I was writing it. I found a publisher the very next day and mm. within his office the day after, and, that, and, and then the book gets published, which, you know, that's different to most people's experience of, of the publishing industry. Most people hear that you have to be rejected 300 times before somebody finally picks you up. And, and, but, but this is the difference between 
goals and intentions. I already knew it would be published before I even started it because I imagined it. I I find the greatest challenge is to have an expansive imagination. I I find for myself, anyway, that it's, it's like we're used to operating within a specific perimeter of behaviors and possibilities, and the real challenge for me is to stretch those boundaries, imagine something bigger, imagine you know, success in whatever degree I want or however I want my body to be or whatever I want my relationships to be. To, you don't have to believe it to be true. You just have to be willing to imagine it and, and really stretch those possibilities way out there, even though they may seem phantasmagorical or impossible. You know? do, do you find that to be true as well? Uh, it, it was for me, um, uh, you know, when, you, when you're stuck in poverty and, and people are stripping your clothes off you and then urinating on them and making you put them back on. It's pretty hard in that situation to imagine yourself <laughs> traveling around the world in, in luxury. So, you, so, you, so it, it does require uh, effort and these, these three simple steps. Uh, and that, that story obviously was me back, way back when, but the, the three simple steps are simple. But at no point would I say they're easy, and you're absolutely right. You have to work at it consistently until it becomes a habit. And and you know what? Eventually, it could be a day, a week, a month, I don't know. It depends what is in your head, but um, it shows up. And the first time it shows up, it's so much easier than to think bigger. And then when that bigger thing shows up, it's so much easier to think huge. Uh, I, I remember having a salary of $30,000 a year when I first came, sorry, uh, when I was in England, equivalent of $30,000 a year. Uh, and I remember imagining having a monthly check of $300,000 a year, and that seemed like a huge stretch to me, but I still imagined it. And then five years later, that's what I was earning. In fact, I didn't even realize I passed through that mark because uh, I was already on to an even bigger dream, an even bigger dream. So it just it gets easier the more you do it, but the, you've got to start. So, because you so, have you know, evidence. Because you have, you've created evidence that you can. Yes. Well, it's the same if you same if I like baking. So, so if I if I have a new recipe, and um, you know, and I, I I bake this beautiful bread, then I get the encouragement to no, I'm going to go bigger next time. I'm I'm not just going to bake a plain loaf of bread. I'm going to bake a, uh, you know, banana bagel or something. You know, you just it's it's it is a process, but but once you realise that you have the power to create anything you want in your life from nothing, then your imagination really goes crazy, and that's wonderful. It's like being that four-year-old child again. And then you see it turn up. Right. Well, listen, we're going to imagine ourselves taking a little break here, and uh, we will be right back. We're talking with um, uh, a, a fascinating author, Trevor Blake, who wrote uh, a very empowering book called Three Simple Steps. So stay tuned because there's more to come. This is Dr. Cheryl Selman, and you are listening to What Women Must Know. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. This is Dr. Cheryl Selman. You are listening to What Women Must Know, and today we're talking about the keys to achieving not only your New Year's resolutions, but the life you want with Trevor Blake, who's the author of Three Simple Steps, A Map to Success in Business and Life. So, Trevor, can you just go through those three simple steps? So we have them in place, and then I want us to go and talk about something that I received in your press release that talks about eight ways to achieve New Year's resolutions. 
Yeah, I'm glad to. So the three steps are, I think of them like ingredients in a recipe. And, uh, you know, with ingredients, you have to use them in the right amounts in the right order. Otherwise, instead of getting a nicely risen cake, you'll get wallpaper paste. And it's the same with success. There are only three steps because every concept in life, no matter how complicated it might seem, it could be Earth, Moon, and Sun, or it could be Yin, Yang, Tao, or it could be the Holy Trinity. Every complicated concept can be understood in it by its three component parts, and that's always been that's something I picked up from um, Madam C.J. Walker's wonderful uh, life story, and, I, and it's hold, it holds true to me in everything. Uh, I use an example in the book, I think, of uh, watching television. I mean, everybody knows how to use a television. They use the on-off switch, the volume switch, and the channel button, three steps. No one has to learn the science of plasmology or plasmaology. And, uh, and so it's the same with three simple steps, but it's important to use them in the right order. So the first step is about reclaiming your mentality. And, and what that is aiming at is getting you back to find that pioneering spirit with which we were all born, but we, which has been suppressed by the people and the media that we've allowed into our brain over the years that forms our opinions. Because it's impossible to reinvent your life or to become self-made in any degree if the decisions you're making for yourself are based upon the opinions or fashions or trends of other people and things around you. You have to get back to your individual. It's very important to do that because step two is about creating moments of insight. And if you don't have control of your mentality, the minute that you have a great idea and tell someone about it, they're going to make fun of you and you'll lose the power of that idea. So you have to have control first. Uh, So secondly, it's about those moments of insight that make the difference between the successful and the not so successful. And that's something I noticed in all of the fantastic historical lives I talked about, they all had a technique, and they were remarkably similar. They, they had different labels depending on what was acceptable to society and religions at the time, but they all had a technique for taking themselves far from the modern crowd, sitting quietly, and letting the ideas come to them. That, that's how the car, the, the common car was, was invented, that's how the steel mill was built, that's how all of these things happened. That's how Madam C.J. Walker became America's first ever uh, female millionaire and and so I use that in my own life because when I wanted to get out of the quicksand of my life I just didn't have any good ideas and I use so I use their techniques and it's worked brilliantly for me I've had lots of great ideas including all the companies we've talked about all of those ideas just popped into my head uh, and not just a, a vague idea but a full blueprint of the business plan and I get more emails about the second step than any of the other steps because this is what changes people's lives and I get emails from all over the world about it so I, so I have some techniques in step two that can allow you to get into that position to have moments of insight not just once but regularly and then step three is about how you take those great ideas and you turn them into the reality of your experience by using intention setting rather than goal setting which is what we've talked about and using your imagination in the reverse order to the way we're trained and brought up and, and those are the three steps. Combined, they're a very powerful recipe to achieve anything you want. And so can you share one of your techniques for opening up to inspiration? Well, my favorite technique is, is what I call taking quiet time. And, uh, you know, I'm, I've tried meditation and, and different techniques, and I'm not very good at it, to be honest with you. And I found the most effective way, I, I do exactly what Henry Ford used to do. He took himself to his old farmhouse, which was uh, now not you, it was derelict, derelict. And he took an old rocking chair, and he simply sat there for half an hour every morning. He liked the stillness of the morning. He found, it very, he found that's where he got most of his best ideas, and I do too, so I recommend that. Mm-hmm. I recommend getting up 20 minutes before you normally would and going to a place in your house or outside your house, wherever you're comfortable, where you're just by yourself, and just sit. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to stop your mind. You don't have to do breathing techniques, although I do include one in the book if you need it. You don't have to light a candle. You don't have to do any of those things. You just have to sit. And, and people are surprised by that, but what surprises them is probably that the thinking 
about this like meditation and meditation aims for different things it could be health or enlightenment i'm aiming to create good ideas so it's a very different purpose and and what makes people realize the power of it i think is is when i make people or help people realize that you're not slowing your brain down when you do that you're actually speeding your brain up so it can work at its normal almost light speed because the rest of the waking hours you have to shut your brain down to an almost crawl so they can help you do very menial tasks like coordinate your hands that are typing on a on a, a keyboard or um, coordinate the, the muscles of your throat so that you can actually elaborate in speech the thought you had that was at light speed. We, we, we have to slow our brain down almost to a screech during the day in order to function as human beings. We kid ourselves with being progressive and fast. We're not. We're doing the opposite. So, so taking quiet time is for 20 minutes, 1.2% of your waking hours, just sitting quietly. Let your brain do what your brain does. 100 billion neurons making more connections than all the cell phones on the planet and that's where the good ideas come from I find when I can go out and just walk kind of wander and uh, just just get in attunement with um, nature I walk along a path by the river and um, that's that's where I get most of my best creative ideas so you're not really focused on anything you know it is just quieting, being receptive, but the research I've come across about people who meditate and Tibetan monks and Buddhist monks who meditate and they look at their brains to much of their surprise, their brains actually were were working more quickly and more activated <laughs> rather than just thinking we slow down. It's not true at all. No, I, you know, we live in a great uh, age when neuroscience and technology allows us to actually map physically in the brain what goes on when you get to this what we call mindfulness stage. And um, you know, I've, got, I've, I've got in the three simple steps. I have some of the cutting-edge neurosciences coming out that shows what happens when we, you know, let our mind just just go by its own pace. And and it is very powerful. You can see it. You, we can now see it and touch it. It's not just an esoteric thought, which many people I think are a bit cynical about it these days because it sounds like New Age stuff, and it's not. It's the laws of physics. Um, I do the same as you. I mean, I love I love to just walk in nature. So you know, that's what people like uh, Emerson used to do. He used to say, "All of life's answers are in nature. All you have to do is learn how to listen." And and, and I find that very very powerful for me. So I do like to. I'm a bit of a tree hugger, I suppose. <laughs> but I, but I do like to walk in nature and uh, with my dogs and you, you by know, myself. It's a um, it's, it's a very simple idea. But it's something that is becoming rarer and rarer in our culture because we are such an overstimulated culture. So taking 30 minutes, 20 minutes, and just being, in a sense, uh, is is a, a kind of an anathema to most people. We, we've lost that ability to be contemplative and just be, and yet it's so critical for creating the life we want. It is. I do get emails from people who say um, I'm struggling with step two because I just don't have an extra 20 minutes. And I, I smile to myself because the people who need this most are the ones mm-hmm. who just don't have the time. Because life's not meant to meant to be a hurry. I, I, you know, I, I, I've never rushed around. I didn't work 20 hours a day in my companies. I worked less hard when I was in control of my life than, than beforehand, that's for sure. And, and it is essential. That the, the metaphor I use is that to understand how important it is, you know, you could look through a window at a bath filling with water and all you see is a vessel filling with water it means nothing in order to understand the power of a bath you have to sink into it you have to get that ah moment that you get when you and then you know what a bath is Mm -hmm. and and it's the same with nature you can't look out of a window 
and 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 feel that connection. You have to be out there, you, even if it's for ten minutes. You know, if if you're in a workplace, you know, in, in times of the essence, in, in, instead of spending twenty minutes around the coffee pot gossiping about the latest um, American Idol show or something like that, just go outside for a few minutes and uh, and just observe. Just look at the sky, notice the bird songs. You know. Enjoy the flowers or whatever it may be. Or if it's raining, look at the clouds and the rain, whatever it may be. But just by being out there and connecting, it's very uh, rejuvenating. Which is why it's really recommended that people take some time off or have one day a week where they are non-structured or take a vacation once every couple of months, even if it's just a day or two, because it it puts us into a more... um, unstructured receptive place where healing can happen where inspiration can happen where possibilities begin to be revealed yeah and uh, yeah it's perfectly true that's uh, that's where all the great ideas pop into your head is when you're not focusing on what's wrong that the solution usually uh, bubbles up from from within so it's not surprising to hear people say you know i had this great idea when i was tinkling with the car engine or you know i was walking my dogs and there's like a lightning bolt hit me um but it doesn't happen if you're if you're busy 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 uh stress stress this at home and at work and you don't give yourself those few minutes it's it's pretty you know you're going to miss those moments you're not going to notice them even though they probably still do occur so if you want to change your life i'm afraid you do have to change things you can't you can't keep doing what you've already done and expect things to change so you must make some time for yourself and, and treat yourself for this very special few moments where it's just you and nature. And, uh, and you, you only have to do it a few times and see the results before you become addicted to this. I, I can't imagine starting my day without taking quiet time. A couple of times I've skipped it, um, you know, because of my flight schedule or something like that. And later in the day, my wife has turned around to me and said, you didn't take your quiet time this morning, did you? She can tell the difference just by just by my demeanor. Uh, and I, you know, so it is very powerful. I can, all I can do is encourage people to do it, but I unfortunately can't make people do it. Okay, so let's talk about the ways to achieve our New Year's resolutions. It's a good time to put some of these principles and truths into practice. So hopefully when people are listening to our conversation, they actually will get into action with it and do it because I promise those who are listening that you will get amazing results in your life if you give it a go. But uh, you can't sit around, you know, kind of justifying why you're not <laughs> to ever get something <laughs> happening, right? Right. And, and to me, I mean, there, you know, you can, you, can, you can break it just down into eight different techniques or 20 or 50 or, you know, you can give it a fancy title and call it the 48 Laws of New Year's Resolutions and write a book about it if you want. There's no need for any of that. To me, it comes down to one thing, and it's what that Mother Teresa quote gets to. You, you've got to train your mind, and, you, and that, that means your thoughts, your words, your imagination, your attitude. You've got to stop it being against the things that are wrong in your life. Just you have to stop being against what you don't want. And it, it sounds weird, but it's, this is the world that we're brought up in. This is how we're trained um, and taught. So, so you have to start being for what you want. And, and you know, if, if it's just that, that will change everything. You can leave the other seven aside. That's the most important one. You know, I, I think the world conditions us to um, look around and see what we can have or what we can't um, achieve or what we can't experience, and we have to, you know, really bring into the story the um, the power to heal our bodies, to rejuvenate our bodies, to create successful relationships, even though it seems like every shred of evidence is to the contrary. 
but we cannot let the experience of the moment determine the possibilities that are awaiting us in the future. I think that's one of our greatest challenges is to remember that. Even though every everything right now in this moment is 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 presenting an opposite experience. Yeah, and it's it's easy to talk about. It's difficult to do, but uh, you know you you do have to find inside yourself that desire to make a change, and and therefore because if you take this, if you accept responsibility that the life you're living now is no one's responsibility but your own, regardless of the horrible things that are being done to you. And regardless of the situation that you find yourself in, you must take responsibility because it's a combination of all of the energy that's been sent out from you in your life is coming back to you. Now, that doesn't mean that you're the person that's always had the bad thoughts, and, and this is also a bit eye-opening, I think, for people. You could be, you could be watching sensationalist news headlines, and you could be watching a story about a woman you'll never meet in a town you'll never visit who has been beaten up in the streets, has been mugged. And the thoughts you have are not necessarily sympathy for the woman you'll never meet in the town you'll never visit because you don't know her. The thoughts are, isn't that awful? How would I feel if, I, if that happened to me? Or isn't that awful? How would that be if that happened to someone I love? Those are the thoughts you tend to send out when you're not controlling your reaction to your thoughts. And, and unfortunately, even though you didn't stimulate those thoughts, they came to you from an outside source, you're the owner of the thoughts. The thoughts go out to the universe and they come back and give you some of those experiences that you don't want. And that's why people find themselves in this negative spiral all the time because they can be in debt, but they still pay attention when, they, you know, when they're watching their favorite football game and then the commercials snap on, they don't give you any warning, and it's a debt solution. And immediately your thoughts are, oh, it's debt. You've sent out the thoughts of debt, and you immediately think about the credit card bill you just hid from your husband or something like that, and, and you get that sense of panic, and now you're creating even more thoughts of debt. And even though you're watching a, 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 an advertisement or a commercial that's designed to help you get out of debt, even I know they, they don't, so please ignore those adverts, but, but the purpose of, the, of them is to give you a sort of helping hand, if you like, you, all your thoughts about the debt you don't want. And you didn't create those thoughts. They came to you through the TV. But if you're not aware of this process of how thoughts convert to your life, you'll never take responsibility. Therefore, you'll never control that input. You'll never control what you watch and hear and see, and you'll never react to the thoughts you just had. So the responsibility is down to the individual, but, but you do have to be aware of this process. It's not your fault. It's not anyone's fault. It's the way the brain works. But you need to be aware of it so that you can make some changes. So anything else you, you want to share with us about how to make our intentions for the new year manifest in our life? Just, uh, just follow the rules of the, of the intentions, which, which there are three rules. I think we mentioned briefly earlier. Uh, they, you, they must be positive. They must be past tense. So they must be for something you want. You must imagine them as already achieved. And they must be personal. Never, ever share an intention with someone else. And the reason I say that so harshly is that thoughts are energy. Energy works according to the laws of physics. Laws of physics say that when energies collide, they cause interference. Interference can be constructive or destructive. The only way interference can be constructive is if the energies are exactly identical. They have the same power, the same vibration, and the same amplitude. Well, no two thoughts are ever the same because one person could be thinking, I want a better job. And the other person is thinking, oh, I hope she doesn't get let down. I, 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 hope, I hope she doesn't make a fool of herself. So I, even, though, even though the other thoughts are well-intentioned, they're going to collide and they're going to create destruction. 
Um, and, and so you have to be very careful with that. So it has to be positive, past tense, and personal, private, keep them to yourself. Oh, interesting. Well, what would you say to people who um, reply to what you're saying? Well, you know, I've I've done this, I've tried, I've done everything you said, and I still haven't gotten any results. How do you how do you how do you comment on on those kinds of statements? Well, I, I, if anyone uses the word try, then immediately that's a sign that they never believed it was going to happen anyway. Because when you, when you use the word try, it means you're not in control. It means you're open to chance. You hope it works. And, and unfortunately, there was a thought. And anything you want, anything you try, anything you hope for, life will give you the material equivalent of those thoughts. It will give you a life of always wanting, always hoping, always failing. So, so unfortunately, that person has not understood the process. That's why it's so critical to get that point about, um, you know, the laws of physics don't need you to believe in them in order to be laws of, laws of physics. They just exist. You can't do anything about it. They're there. All you can do is try and understand them and then use that education that understanding in your own life so for those people i would probably question whether they have actually followed the process accordingly because i've never had anybody come back and say that to me i've never had a single person who has bothered to respond to three simple steps when i used to teach this to groups or since i've written the book and i'm getting reader feedback through the website i've not had one person say it didn't work for me Oh, so, in fact, it's the opposite. Instead of, you know, I was probably expecting one or two line emails from the readers. Yeah. I've been getting two or three pages of emails. You know, people have really sat down and told me how their life has changed, what it's done for them. Yeah. And uh, almost everybody who's written to me has also said not only did they get something out of this book, um, a lot of them found the book in the library because I donated 8,000 copies to all the libraries in the U.S. and, and Canada as, as my way of saying thank you for what the library did for me when I was a kid. Um, and then they've gone on and bought a book for someone else because they've seen how their own lives are being changed by the principles. So I've actually never encountered anyone who said, I followed these three steps, but nothing happened. Well, that's encouraging for everyone listening, for all the Doubting Thomases up there. And it's great that you donated 8,000 copies so people can go to their libraries, local libraries, if they choose to. Although it yes. uh, sounds like it's one of those really valuable books you want to keep with you to guide you for the rest of your life. Well, and it's uh, inexpensive right now. For some reason, I, I can't fathom Amazon out, but for some reason Amazon.com has a promotion on it. So last time I looked, it was only $3. And all my profits go to cancer research and development anyway. So yeah, I mean, yeah. What, what have you got to lose? Yeah. So, so, so what is your... Well, I know you're keeping everything private, so I don't know if I could ask. But what is going on in your life right now? Oh, Trevor, I'm going to ask anyway. <laughs> I, I, have a, I have a second book coming out uh, probably toward the end of, of this year. I almost said next year, but I realize we're in 2013. So, uh, and that's a book uh, about how to build a virtual business. How, how to, and I'm not talking about building a $50,000 business. I'm talking about how to really get hold of your life and have a multi-million dollar business without ever leaving home and without ever hiring an employee because... I, I, haven't, I didn't hire a single employee for either of my companies, and I worked out of my home office. I, there's, there's a way to do it, so I've written about that, and I think that'll be a lot of fun for people who want to do that. Um, and I have a, a third company that I'm working on right now, so it's, it's called Calvi Medical, and um, it's a company that is, I'll call it a reformulation company. So we're taking um, medicines that are approved in other countries, um, but for some reason have never been brought into the United States, and they should be. I, I know the reasons why they're not being brought into the United States, because 
pharmaceutical companies are huge now and they have sort of a threshold over how much money they can make in the market before they will invest in development and that's very high it's about 500 million and some of these products are really small for rare diseases and we're talking about markets of maybe thousands instead of millions but there's a need for them so i formed a company that is bringing in those products from abroad doing the clinical trials in america uh, reformulating according to american um, restrictions and then and then making those available you know, it sounds like you are living such a fascinating and and purposeful life. You know, you get to enjoy what you want to do, but it's really really about creating a, a meaning and a purpose and having the resources to fulfill that and finding the keys that open up all those possibilities even when you don't know how it's all going to happen beforehand. All the resources that, all, that anybody needs, or they already have, you just need to tap into them. So everything, every answer is inside you, everything you need, every resource. It's amazing what you can do when, you know, necessity is a mother invention. When you don't have any money and you can't afford to hire employees and you have to do it yourself, it's amazing how easy you find it. Think, God, I, I didn't realize it was that simple. So, so I have that kind of approach to it. But I, I, I give all credit to this, to the two inspirations in my life, which the first one was my mother, which we've talked about um, uh, who, who showed me that anything is possible if you set your mind to it. And, and my wife for the last 30 years, um, who my, my mother introduced me to shortly before she died. She was my mother's chemotherapy nurse. And uh, we've been together ever since. Now, she's been told that she had six months to live three times in that 30 years. Right. The last time was four years ago. Yeah. And, and here she is. She's a total inspiration because she also proves to me on a regular basis that it doesn't matter what people say or even what you think. All that matters is how you react. And that's the key. Well, let's give the website so people can go and learn more about your book to order it or order it on Amazon at that special price. So um, so what's the best website, Trevor? It's 3simplesteps.com. Well, that's pretty simple, and it's all spelled out, 3simplesteps.com. Yes. yes. Uh, we have about a minute, Trevor, before we come to the end of this fascinating show. Is there anything else you want to say before we have to bring uh, Just that it's, it's, it's never too late to reinvent your life for yourself. It's never too late. I, I uh, had a wonderful email just a, a little while ago from a, a man who, it was quite funny because he was complaining, or he said he, would, he had been complaining about the package the book arrived in, he, he couldn't open it, and then when he opened it, it was a self-help book, and he hates self-help books. He flicked through it, found something that caught his eye, went back to the beginning, read the whole thing in one sitting, and it had given him the confidence to start a new project he'd been procrastinating for, and he's 88 years old. <laughs> I think that's just a great message for everybody. That's a great message. So, Trevor, this has been a delight. Trevor Blake is my guest today. All the best to you, Trevor. Can't wait for the new book. We'll have you on when it's out. Great. Thank you for inviting me. It was fun. Okay. And to all my listeners, thank you for joining me. This is Dr. Cheryl Selman. You are listening to What Women Must Know. And remember to always honor the wisdom of your feminine self. Bye for now.